0: Stella Adler, one of the most influential teachers of acting theory, is credited with the saying, acting is reacting. And I couldn't agree more. Without honest reactions, an actor's performance comes across as two-dimensional and fake. Last night, I had a rehearsal for Romeo and Juliet for Act 3-1. This is the scene where Tybalt kills Mercutio, and then Romeo kills Tybalt big ask for teenage boys who haven't even experienced unintentional roadkill. We read through the lines, then answered questions and asked questions. One I wanted the actor playing Romeo to answer is how does Romeo react to killing Tybalt? Or how does killing Tybalt change Romeo? Any way you slice it, it would be traumatic. And trauma leaves a lasting impression. Romeo would definitely be different after having experienced that event. Thankfully, most of us will never experience something out of one of Shakespeare's tragedies, but unfortunately, all of us will experience trauma. Since there's no avoiding it, let's deal with it. I'm Larry Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 128 of the Happiness Playbook. But first, we need a team huddle. How did you do last week with the play of the week where you were supposed to try to use one of... Okay, my dog was sitting here asleep on my lap until I pushed record. I'm not kidding. I think he likes to be in the show. So anyway, I'll let him have his moment. Okay, how did you do with last week's play of the week? Were you able to use one of the four play theory principles in every interactions that you had with another person. I was doing pretty good until Sunday when I got sick. Unfortunately, I was inadvertently exposed to some gluten, and by Sunday night I was struggling, so I lost track of the challenge, and I was just trying to stay positive in the midst of the physical negatives I was swimming through. While I was focusing on it, though, I did notice that when talking to others, I felt more connection. I also noticed that there were times that thinking about let go and play helped me to be less reactive and defensive and more accepting of another person's ideas or choices without judgment. How did you do? Leave a comment here on playtheory.org or send us a direct message at the happiness playbook on Instagram. We always love hearing from you. And speaking of that, a big shout out to my friend Karen. For letting me know that she really enjoyed episode 126 and learning about the four pillars of a connected conversation. That's Tony Overby's idea, but I did an episode on that. So go back and listen to that one. A huge thank you also to The Sewing Peach for your review on iTunes. They said, quote, great show, Love listening in the car with my teens and hitting pause to discuss how we've noticed the principles and how we can apply them. Keep up the great work, unquote. Thank you, Sewing Peach and Karen. Your kind words are the kind of encouragement that I need to keep plugging away at this. Encouragement is so important in our world today where we are ironically more connected than ever and yet more susceptible to loneliness and feelings of insecurity. There's a saying that ignorance is bliss, and in days gone by, we were blissfully ignorant of all the fun and amazing experiences everyone else on the planet seems to be having. In our current world of oversaturated connection, via social media, we can easily fall prey to comparison that leads to dissatisfaction and FOMO, which is rocket fuel for anxiety. All these negative feelings can leave us discouraged and overwhelmed, awash in self-doubt and self condemnation feeling like we'll never measure up to all the glistening, airbrushed perfection we're constantly exposed to. All this to say kind words like, you got this, or I value what you do, really do matter. They encourage and support, and that is a service. Here's to all of you out there that take the time to intentionally say thank you and share messages of support and goodwill with others. It does make a difference. Okay, no more notifications. I've silenced that. And no more avoiding the trauma stuff. I can't guarantee there won't be more dog noises, though. I know that trauma is what a lot of us would prefer to avoid, but it's not good for our brains or our moods to avoid it. So let's get into it. Here's a definition for trauma. One, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. A personal trauma could be the loss of a loved one. Uh, Another definition is a physical injury such as the rupture of the diaphragm caused by blunt trauma. Neither of those sound really good, and no wonder we want to avoid them. My oldest daughter experienced a physical trauma when the wheel of her bike spun out on a patch of sand when she was 10 years old, and she fell, hitting her side on the edge of a wooden pallet. When she ran inside... I could immediately see that she was in excruciating pain. And it ended up that she had ruptured one of her kidneys and she spent a week in the ICU while they were trying to decide if they would have to take the kidney. Her physical trauma also generated some emotional trauma for her and me, her mom. Trauma isn't always this intense, But it is a pervasive problem with lasting adverse effects on our mental, physical, social, emotional, and or spiritual well-being. Research has shown that trauma actually changes our brains. It is the real deal. Trauma is uncomfortable, unpleasant, and hard to manage. No wonder we seek to avoid it. So when it happens to us or someone we know we may rush to move past it or forget it or deny it but that's just not possible does anyone remember the scene in the star wars movie a new hope where princess leia c3po luke and han solo are stuck oh and and chewbacca they're stuck in a trash compactor on one of the big ships Someone shoots off their laser gun and the laser ricochets around and around the metal enclosure, barely missing them. Traumatic emotions are the same way. They enter with force. And if we don't accept them and let them pass through us, they will reverberate in our psyche and minds until we do deal with them. On the surface, things can look all clear. But deep down, there's damage going on if we try to deny trauma. For my daughter, it was interesting because when she came in from her bike fall, the first thing we did was to look and see where she had gotten hurt. On her side, where she was feeling this excruciating pain, there was not a mark. It wasn't red. There was no bruising We were a little confused how she could be in so much pain without any obvious indication of a wound. Well, it ended up that she had to go to the bathroom and there was the tail, tail sign of blood in her urine that coupled with her face losing all color, including her lips, made us realize there was something serious going on. So we rushed her to the emergency room and they took care of her but on the surface, there was no indication that she had that big of an injury. Her surgeon, the doctor who was working with her, when we asked about that, he said that that presentation is common with really severe force injury because what happens is the reverberation from the impact is moving so quickly that before it spreads out, which is what does the damage to our blood vessels and to our Um, our skin it passes beyond that before it starts to spread out and that's where the force is magnified and it does the most damage so sometimes with those severe internal injuries there might not be external wounds who knew so anyway that's a little insight to what trauma is capable of and why sometimes it's not easily recognized as being the culprit to our pain The psychologist Jordan Peterson had this to say about what happens when someone experiences trauma. One, the threat perception system of our psyche is enhanced, meaning that we see threats where others might not be aware of them. He also said that the filtering system that helps us distinguish what is important and what we don't need to pay attention to gets messed up. And therefore, we end up paying attention to things that might not be important after all. And third, our sense of our self-sensing system. Sorry, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Our self-sensing system gets blunted. And what he means by that is that we're not as aware of our physical self. And this happens because it helps us minimize the awareness of the pain of the trauma and it also numbs other positive sensations like connection, pleasure, or satisfaction. So think about that when someone says they're numb to the pain. It's, it's a type of self-preservation. So why do these emotions uh, surrounding trauma have such an impact and last so long? Again, according to Dr. Peterson, quote, What your brain wants in relation to a traumatic memory is indication that you are no longer vulnerable to the same problem. You remember something bad and you process it so that you can change your interpretation or your behavior or the situation or whatever it is that you can so that it doesn't happen again in the future. And if you do that thoroughly or successfully, you'll generally let yourself rest. So when we deny trauma and we ignore it or we repress it, we're not letting our brain accomplish what it feels is very important to do regarding something that's so painful. Here are some ideas that I've had and that I have used when dealing with trauma. First, be present and identify the trauma if you want to have the ability to release it or move past it. Next, be present with the emotions that the trauma causes and accept that they're real and appropriate for you to be experiencing. Don't try to stop them or ignore them. Next, be present and try to identify specifically where you're feeling that emotion in your body and what it exactly it feels like, and this is going to help you connect more to that emotion so that you can better let it go. And last, understand that different parts of our brain experience time differently. So we sometimes might need help teaching our brain that a trauma is not currently happening. There's a part of our brain that will feel like the trauma is still A very real threat so we might need professional help to deal with the emotions of a traumatic event and be open to doing that if you need that if you try to suppress or stop emotions brought on by trauma you're stopping your mind and body from processing them and you will just keep reliving them as your mind keeps trying to process them just like in the scene in the Star Wars garbage compactor. It's going to keep bouncing around doing damage. In the West, we tend to buffer from the discomfort of trauma and the damage that it's causing with mind-altering substances or going numb via binge-watching media or getting caught up in our video games or something that distracts our minds. But this is no cure and the emotions will still be bouncing around inside of us, causing who knows what kind of damage. In African nations and in the East, they tend to use modalities that involve the body to deal with trauma, like yoga or chaigon, to mitigate the effects of the negative experiences. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who is the author of The Body Keeps the Score, a book about how trauma is held in our physical bodies, has done research that shows that yoga is more effective than pharmaceuticals for treating PTSD or post traumatic stress disorder and we could do a whole podcast just on his book maybe maybe I'll do that in the future maybe yoga is so effective at dealing with trauma because it invites us into the present moment and only when we're present can we deal with the emotion that has been brought on By trauma. When we experience something traumatic, either ourselves or by learning about something that someone else has experienced that was traumatic, it's helpful to be present and feel the initial pain, shock, disbelief, betrayal, fear, whatever negative emotion comes. Then, after we've allowed ourselves to feel it, allow ourselves to feel the next emotion. Maybe it's acceptance, curiosity, or even gratitude for all that hasn't been traumatic in our life. We might even go through the pain to arrive at peace. If it's a big shock, it may take a few times of being present with these emotions before they subside. In the process of grieving, we often circle through those emotions of disbelief or bargaining or anger, denial, many times, each time the emotion might diminish, might be more manageable. And as we circle through them, we eventually come to a place of acceptance and peace. But denying our emotions when they arise from a traumatic event is never a good strategy. Just like the vibrations that broke my daughter's kidney because they didn't exit the body and they went deep into her body, the reverberations of emotional pain will continue in our body and psyche. And if we don't allow them to go through us and instead try to stop them or hang on to them, they do greater damage. The four principles of play theory are not isolated, standalone ideas. There's a spectrum that exists between these four expressed ideas. And the way to manage something traumatic really does fall between being present and let go and play or moving on with your life. Denial of a terrible experience or something traumatic will force us to continue to experience it just in different ways. Whereas being present with the hard to comprehend, hence hard to experience feelings, will allow us to process them so we can better let them go. But when we are only present with the feelings brought on by trauma, then we're frozen in our view of the world and our responses to current stimuli will be based on the past traumatic event and thus out of sync with what's really happening. Consider anxiety. It can be caused by this loop of overreacting to a stressor instead of sitting with it and then letting it go. Children are the best at being present and letting go and playing They can fall off their bike, skin both knees, and cut their lip, then hop back on their bike after a Band-Aid, a hug, and a kiss from Mom. Their tears and heartfelt cries confirm that they were being 100% present with the pain of what happened to them. And by doing so, it made it easier for them to then move through the pain and let the trauma go once the fear, pain, and shock of the fall starts to subside they are the best at being present and then letting it go sometimes it's not a physical trauma that we're dealing with and emotional trauma is very real as well this week that i'm recording the podcast in is easter week and there are a lot of folks that let these emotional traumas go by giving them to jesus Believer or not, this idea of signing off on the stuff that's causing you pain that you no longer need to carry is a good idea. This idea has been around for a long time. Have you ever heard of the term scapegoat? In biblical terms, it was a goat that was sent into the wilderness after a Jewish chief priest had symbolically laid the sins of the people upon it. It was a foreshadowing of the Messiah, or someone who would take their sins upon them. Our current day, a scapegoat is a person who's blamed for the wrongdoings, mistakes, or faults of others, especially for reasons of expediency. They're the fall guy, the person who takes the blame, which then eases our sense of blame. So the idea of a scapegoat means that we knew somehow that it wasn't enough to just ignore bad feelings about something. We had to do something with the negative feelings, even if it was symbolically putting them on a goat or blaming it on another person that deep down we might know isn't the person who caused all the problems. If we don't deal with our challenging emotions after something traumatic has happened, it can cause us to freeze in our development or stifle our openness. Notice how open children are. Then consider your typical teen. They tend to be far more closed off. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that they've been exposed to more traumatic experiences, either personally or through the lessons of history or witnessing others' lives or just by listening to the news. Not having any way to deal with the feelings stirred up by trauma, even if it's trauma that others have experienced, can leave us feeling anxious. Imagine there's a concerned friend constantly, lightly tapping on your arm, just enough that you can go through your day talking to other people and getting your work done, but it's always there, tap, tap, tapping away. This person is well-meaning, they think there's a danger that you need to be made aware of, but that Tap, tap, tapping is just so annoying. The alternative is to be present with the person that's tapping on your arm. Turn and face them and let them share the thoughts they have. And then ask yourself, what can I learn from this? This will give your ever protective brain a better job to do. By the way, it's your brain that's doing the tapping. If we can do this, then it will move on and find connections to what you've experienced and extrapolate to what others have experienced. You will gain understanding and develop empathy. You'll learn valuable lessons to increase your chances of self-preservation and you'll be better able to handle future traumatic events. So that's something to chew on. Trauma is there to serve you if you will be present and listen to it and then let go and move past it. So for this week's play of the week, I want you to notice if you're holding any trauma, maybe it's something that you've repressed and you're not even aware of, but there's that nagging tap, tap, tapping feeling. And then go through and ask yourself, if you can be present and sit with that feeling, and if there's a way of identifying it. Maybe it's something that you can identify, thank your brain for letting you know how you're feeling about it, accept those feelings and move through it, or maybe it's time to make an appointment with a professional counselor who can help you go the rest of the the journey to overcome that trauma. But it's not something that you have to sit with or carry. All right, next week, I'll be sharing a superpower that's accessible to everyone. For all of you Wordle players, it has five letters and starts with a B. It only has one vowel. Making this one trait a regular part of your life can increase your life expectancy, raise your immune response, and improve your mood. And it's simple. So tune in next week to learn how powerful the play theory principle of let go and play can be when we focus in with the mindset that we will be talking about. Hopefully next week, my dog won't be as noisy. I don't know why he had to do his whole ritual cleansing during this last part of the recording, but since he's a puppy, I am a bit indulgent and let him hang out with me. Thank you for letting go and playing and putting up with the extra noise. Until next week, I hope you remember that happiness is not something that happens to you, but it's something that you make happen. And we hope that we can help you do just that here on the Happiness Playbook. Have a great week.